So in 2010, we launched a, a website that had uh, some training and some templates for this technology. And, uh, and that started to kind of get some, some momentum. And so after about two years of, of growing this little side project, right? It was just a hobby thing. It kind of, not a hobby, but it like, it kind of fit into our overall business uh, picture, right? But it kind of became a, a niche that we served was, you know, we served small business. Then we also served this niche of other agencies that were serving small businesses on this platform. And, uh, and after about two years, that part of the business was, you know, we were only spending maybe 10 or 20% of our time on it. And it was driving, you know, probably close to half of our revenue. And so we kind of looked at it and said, well, we can keep doing this thing over here, or we can, you know, look at maybe, you know, doing this, you know, doing this other thing kind of full time. And, and I think at the time we really felt like we were running two businesses, right? We had the training and template business, and then we had the agency business, very different customer groups, very different processes. It was very difficult to create, you know, standard operating procedures or even a culture where, you know, yeah, one, one group that's working with customers and the other group that's working with large projects, right? And it just, it created like a lot of tension internally in the business. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. You are about to jump into part two of our amazing conversation with Brent Weaver and Emily Pramick of YouGurus. If you want to listen to the hilarious story of how Brent and Emily met on the job or learn how they navigate the situation of Emily technically being Brent's employee while also being a spouse, take a listen to part one first. Now, let's jump into this great episode. So I want, I want to take a, a step back into, into some business talk for a little bit. What you mentioned, you know, you, you sold your previous agency, you started this one. Was there a, a talk to us a little bit about that, Brent, in terms of what, uh, sort of how you came to the decision to sell? Is, the, is that agency still around? Was this, was this sort of a natural progression? Was this something you were working on the side already? This being you, Guru, sort of how did that all play out? Yeah. That's a good story, too. So in- I feel like you guys are full of good stories. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so this is probably back in 2000. So we started the agency, actually. My my former partner and I started it in uh, in high school. I don't think we were starting an agency. We just wanted to make some money and we could build websites and the internet was kind of like coming of age, right? 1999. And we, uh, and I had kind of been always into computers and, and started to do some websites for some local businesses and was, was making some money with it. And we decided to create a business and, and we kind of kept that business going. Like 
it had its kind of, there was a couple of moments where maybe it was on the, you know, while we were in college, maybe it was kind of on the, the table flatlining, like not really doing anything. And then we'd come in with the paddles and all of a sudden we'd get really interested in it again. I mean, imagine you're in college, right? Like there's a million other things that you could, you should be doing than trying to run a business. And, uh, but around 2005, we kind of had gotten some big opportunities and we decided like, Hey, we could either, you know, should we go and, and get jobs and like go have careers or is there something here for us? Right. And, and so we decided to kind of take the business full time. He, my partner was going to UT. I was up in CU Boulder and he moved out to Colorado and we kind of started to make a go at it and, uh, you know, knew nothing about business really. I mean, we'd kind of been interning for ourselves for a few years. And so we started that and, uh, you know, that business, you know, it did kind of, you know, pick up some steam. We, uh, you know, started hiring employees. We started to, you know, got an office in downtown Denver on the 16th street mall. And how, how big know, did that business get like uh, employee size wise? Yeah, we had about 14 employees when we sold the business in 2012. In 2010, right, well, right around 2008, we started working on a very specific uh, platform a technology. And I started to kind of blog about like how we were growing this business on this, this tech and, uh, and, and started kind of building an email list and a following and, you know, started to kind of create this, uh, you know, this, this group of people that were kind of running their own agencies how we ran ours and, you know, started taking some courses on how to, you know, turn that, monetize that information and, and launch that into a product. So in 2010, we launched a, a website that had uh, some training and some templates for this technology. And, uh, and that started to kind of get some, some momentum. And so after about two years of, of growing this little side project, right, it was just a hobby thing. It kind of, not a hobby, but it like, it kind of fit into our overall business uh, picture, right? But it kind of became a, a niche that we served was, you know, we served small business. Then we also served this niche of other agencies that were serving small businesses on this platform. And, uh, and after about two years, that part of the business was, you know, we were only spending maybe 10 or 20% of our time on it. And it was driving, you know, probably close to half of our revenue. And so we kind of looked at it and said, well, we can keep doing this thing over here. Or we can, you know, look at maybe, you know, doing this, you know, doing this other thing kind of full time. And, and I think at the time we really felt like we were running two businesses, right? We had the training and template business, and then we had the agency business, very different customer groups, very different processes. It was very difficult to create, you know, standard operating procedures or even a culture where, you know, yeah, one, one group that's working with customers and the other group that's working with large projects. Right. And it just, it created like a lot of tension internally in the business and we, I really love doing the, the, the training and the coaching and the, the other stuff. And so we, you know, we, we thought about it a lot, had a lot of conversations. There was a lot of some consultants that we were hiring at the time. And we had a lot of conversations about it and we kind of realized that we probably wanted to, to, to switch businesses. And it's actually on our honeymoon. I took two weeks, we, we took two weeks kind of off of life and went down to St. Lucia. And it was the first time in, you know, this is 2012. So really since starting the business, I mean, I, granted I was in college, but let's say from 2005 to 2012, this was probably my first true vacation and uh, just had a lot of time to kind of think and get clear. And it was on that honeymoon that I kind of created this vision for you gurus and, uh, you know, came back and was like, I think we should sell the agency and start this new business. And here's the vision for this new business. And, uh, you know, kind of got my, my business partner, you know, Hey, do you want to come on board with this thing? Or do you want to go and take this? And he actually managed a lot of the operations on the agency side. And 
he wasn't enjoying his time as much as you, you might say. And uh, so he was, you know, open to starting the new business. And so we actually went from that business, sold the agency. It is still the agency that bought it um, is still, you know, operating uh, today. They have a lot of those same clients that they, you know, acquired in, in that agency. So they've done very well. And so, so yeah, I mean, that agency is still, still going under a different name. And then, uh, you know, we've been focused on you gurus ever since. You kept, you had the same partner that you had with the agency then came on to you gurus. And is that, is that the partner, partner, one of the partners that you bought out then recently? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we split last year. So from 2012 to 2019, he, he had started to want to go off and do some other stuff. And, uh, you know, I think it was time for us. Like we kind of, you know, for better or for worse, kind of grown apart in the business. And, uh, you know, we decided to, to split ways and, and that's been good. Well, kudos to you for doing that and, and making you gross your, your full-time baby, right? Tell us for the benefit of our listeners, give us a little bit of an overview of what you gurus is. What, what do you do? Why does it matter? Why should people care? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we, uh, we coach and train digital agency owners about how to grow their business, how to attract more leads, how to win deals, win clients that they actually want to work with and, uh, you know, get their clients results and, and start to scale their business. So we love, we love to see the agency owners kind of elevate themselves in the business, not be the bottleneck, not be involved in everything. And, and so our core purpose as a business is we help agency owners achieve freedom in business and life. And so we do that by helping them create those, those marketing sales and operations systems. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. So Emily, tell us a little bit about your role in YouGurus. I do a lot of the marketing the emails, a lot of the social media, the blogs, manage the podcast. I do, I manage a lot of content that already exists and manipulate it into something new. That's a big part of, of my job. And that is a huge job in and of itself. My goodness, we are, I, I do that for, for Proofpoint and I have to say, I probably shouldn't admit this online, but I, I don't do as well of a job as I'd like to because as, as an agency owner, I've got hundred other things that I'm doing. And so then having to, to do content as well can be, can definitely be a bottleneck for us, but I, I understand where that is. Let's, I, oh, I wanted to ask a question. I didn't want to interrupt you in your story. So Brent, when you said you went on your first vacation on your honeymoon, did you bring a laptop? He glazed over the interesting part of the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> I slept at night on our honeymoon. <laughs> he was up all night going mad scientist on his brilliant new plan. He let his hair grow out. The beard grew out. He just, he got very into it for a very long time. And that was, that was what he spent his nights doing. <laughs> I guess Brent, nev some, no one ever told you what the purpose of a honeymoon is, right? My friend. <laughs> That was, that was after, so we had been on, I think it was around day nine or 10. Like we had been, was it? when I, when I kind of was and it got kind of inspired about, I would say actually the first few days mentally, you know, I was unplugged from the business, but I was kind of in a way like kind of stressing about like, I think I had this, like this, this tension from, from in terms of like my professional work. I mean, we were having the time of our life. We we're in St. Lucia, we we're scuba diving, we were, eating at this, you know, beautiful restaurant overlooking the water. And, and I think what I learned to, and then we've gone on, we, we had gone on smaller trips and stuff. And there, there was one trip that we went on, maybe it was prior to our honeymoon where we went out to California and Emily 
was like, okay, you need to like unplug from work for like a 24 hour. That was a birthday hour. present. You were like, for 24 hours, I will not work. And it, was, it did not go well. It did not go well. After like, about 10 hours, I was like, just get your phone. Yeah, I, I devolved into like a small <clears throat> panic attack. But I think what we learned from that was, and, and we can talk about, you know, whether that's an issue and is that an issue probably is an issue. But I think we learned from I, that. I want to like, say that we are not marriage counselors. So I, <laughs> I can't help you there. Yeah. All right. So we're not going to, we're not going to go. Yeah. So, but, I mean, but, but we, I can, think we when, can talk, but you know. What, what I learned was having a, like a pre-scheduled time that we agree upon of like, hey, like it's kind of like just checking in and getting the urgent critical stuff for like a half hour, an hour, even a couple hours, right? Of having that time to go and like do that every day to kind of like have that little space where I can kind of go and get that urgent important stuff taken care of delegated, like take care of that kind of stuff, like just keep my pulse on it and then get back to like what we're doing. I think that makes a really big difference. Sure. I mean, when we go on trips and stuff, it's like having a little bit of time to go do work for an hour or so. And then, you know, and if it's early in the morning, that's great, but just have that, that, that time versus trying to say like, I'm not going to check in for, you know, this period of time. I mean, maybe there'll come a time in my business where I'm able to do that like effectively and have other people, you know, kind of running everything. But I think even for me personally, like it just does a lot for me to just have that little opportunity every day to kind of check in. So I think on our honeymoon, we kind of had created that space where I would go and like do a little bit of work and then we'd go do other stuff for like the rest of the day kind of right. thing. But this particular thing, when I kind of was, was struck by some ideas, I think it was more of the I was in bed at, you know, nine o'clock at night, we were going to bed and I'm sitting there like staring up at the, the ceiling and like light bulb strikes. And it's like, oh, I got some stuff I got to write down. Right. And I think I went to the bathroom and I think probably. You were know, you hiding in the bathroom? I think I was hiding. In the, yeah, I was like, I was, I wasn't, I had like a, a journal or a notebook, but it was, you know, I was writing, I was writing out kind of all these ideas that had come to me through this kind of tension. And I think it was probably, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning and Emily came up and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I'll, I'll go to bed. I'll go to bed. Right. But, you know, I think it was, it was good to unplug. I think it's good to have that, that balance. But also I think it's been really nice to have somebody who understands and kind of, you know, it doesn't get like mad, but like just kind of understands that's just part of the entrepreneurial journey and the process and, cre you know, allows me to create space for it. Sometimes I'm, I'm annoying when I do it, you know, and I think she lets, she lets me know if I'm, you know, crossing a line. I'm smiling over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think that I can't remember where I read this, but I know I read it somewhere. I think it was a Harvard University study that said that the most critical decision that you can make in your career is who you're going to marry. You know, who, who, you're, who your life partner is because you know, being, being able to excel professionally really does require a, a balance and a give and take and one partner having to take up maybe a little bit more slack around the house or maybe take the kids to, to you know, after school curricular or whatever, or, or do things that maybe the, the, you know, the person that's focusing on the career or the business or entrepreneurial pursuits, whatever it is, you know, you may not have, I'm totally making this up, Ren, you may not have time or you may not care to mow your lawn, okay? So Emily knows that, well, am I touching on something here? <laughs> Emily knows. If it is, don't worry about it. I don't mow my lawn either. Yeah, Mike doesn't mow the lawn. I'm using that as an example. Mike, Mike hates mowing the lawn. 
And I know that we have to mow the lawn because otherwise our neighbors are gonna, we had a neighbor that once called the city on us because our lawn was too long. And we got <laughs> we got a letter that said that this was like, you know, strike numero uno. And if we have two strikes, then we have to pay like a thousand dollar fine or something ridiculous. And we know exactly which, which neighbor it was. Um, thankfully they moved out of the neighborhood. But, uh, but you know, having a spouse that can say, okay, I know Brent doesn't want to mow the lawn. I'm going to just get a lawn mowing service and that will take the tension out of our marriage. That will take the tension off of the thing that I'm having to ask him to do 50 billion times. So I think it's, I, what I see here, I see a lot of nonverbal stuff, but also in the things that you're saying is that you guys have such a tremendous partnership not only in your business, but also in Emily's ability to recognize your passion and your need and your desire to focus on your business and to focus on the things that drive you and that give you satisfaction. And I think that that's so key in a marriage, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a hobby or a passion or a career or entrepreneurial pursuit is to have a partner that, that recognizes that. So you know, I, I think you guys have found a tremendous partnership and, and I'm glad that you guys have ways in which you can manage some of that, some of that stress that's, that inevitably comes up when, when you have business and, and, and work and like and love all mixed in together. That's actually a perfect transition. So I, uh, Emily, I wanted to ask you about your business and how that now, for all, first of all, like the backstory in terms of how did you transition from working at a ballet company and, and whatnot to starting a, a metalsmithing and jewelry business. And then how is the, how did that trajectory sort of change as you guys, you know, got together, got married, had kids. And then I know that's uh, my understanding is that that's something you're really trying to build up right now. Get, kind of get back into it. So tell us more about that. So it started when I was in high school. I was really passionate about art and learned some metalsmithing and actually originally went to school for it and was nervous about being able to survive on an artist's income. So I, I changed to business. <laughs> and with Brent's support, I felt confident that I could make that change and figure it out. You know, he's a business expert and he can help me through how to make it happen. And I went back to school and started my business and actually had a fair amount of success from the beginning. I was represented by one of the best known galleries in Denver and I made the hard decision to leave it when I had my first child in part because I just was too insanely busy as any mother knows. Um, you can't follow through on everything that you committed to prior to having children. It's just not possible. And to make it even harder, I was pounding metal in the room underneath my sleeping baby. <laughs> so it just wasn't possible to keep up with. And I was a stay-at-home mom for a couple of years. And I did a little bit of contract work with Brent's company starting pretty soon after I left the gallery. And I would occasionally make small things for people. And we, we moved to a new house that I didn't quite have the right studio space for. Um, and we still haven't really built it. So it's difficult for me to make full projects that I used to be able to make. But, you know, in the near future, I do hope to get that going again. I've got a lot of stuff that I, I really would like to make. Tell us a little bit about your jewelry style and, and what, you know, what kind of metals do you use? Do you use stones, gems? You know, tell us a little bit about that. I do a lot of silver, a little bit of copper, a little bit of brass. I like to make two-dimensional things on cuffs 
So that's something that I make a lot of. I make a lot of things that are hidden. So on the inside of a cuff, one of my more popular things was a secret garden bracelet. So you, it looks plain on the outside and maybe a little keyhole or something. And then you look at the inside and it's just a really intricate, beautiful, like sort of engraved design. So that's definitely my style. I do a lot of stuff that's a combination of different things. So maybe like futuristic and, you know, sort of punkish looking with a little bit of old West. Awesome. So a lot, a lot of crossover, a lot of crossover, a little bit of stuff with bullets, a little bit of stuff that looks um, a little dangerous. I have a ring that has really sharp points on it that, you know, you don't want to mess with that girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you haven't figured out, I love jewelry. So I would love to see your work when you get that, that up and running uh, again in the future. Is there, um, is there a plan for like an e-commerce presence or anything like that? I did used to have an e-commerce presence and now it is just a website with a blog and a bunch of items that say they are sold out. I have a good uh, website manager. So. <laughs> I'll just say there is, you, you do have a website, just her, website. her, her, her name.com, emilypramick.com as, you know, you'll see, see the work. And I think you've got, I don't know. I mean, I think it is all like Marcus sold out, but I think there's some inventory that you could, you could sell. You can but see what it looks like. I, I think that's been a, a, you know, I think it is, it is a challenge when you have a couple businesses, kids, ones like starting out and, you know, in a in, a, in a, a market that's you know i think typically i mean jewelry and artists it's like hard to make that a main thing you know it's kind mm-hmm. of a a lot of work has to go into that and also having to kind of balance like just the the reality of raising a family absolutely all right so for any listeners out there that are interested in checking out emily's jewelry it's emilypramick.com correct that's right okay so hopefully soon that will be an opportunity for you to get back into your jewelry making business. So anyone wants to check that out. So before we move on from that, I do have a, do have a question. So how involved is Brent in, in that business? Like are, are you sort of as an advisor or is this more Emily kind of your own thing and you just kind of come to him with like for like website help? Well, my favorite thing that he did, aside from my beautiful website, is when I was pregnant with my first, I decided to do a big show and I couldn't do a step in the process that involved an extremely corrosive and dangerous acid. So he was like my acid man that was going through and actually working (laughs) on the metal for me from the other room as I'm instructing him from far away. So that was fun. That's like a good, like superhero name. Yeah. like yeah just just take this stuff if you spill it on yourself it's going to eat through your skin and you know like it'll be really painful and you know but it was it, it was cool to continue to support uh you during doing that i think the just the the having some work like that that's so fulfilling i'm not going to say that doing marketing for you gurus is not fulfilling at some level <laughs> it's different. but it's, yeah, it's you different. know it's it's different right i think it's it's fun when you can see your 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 partner right, your spouse to do something that really gives them that level of fulfillment and that level of happiness it, it, i think that was really the best part about you doing the jewelry business thank you so i'd love to have you before we before we i, I do i do want us to talk a little bit about you know work-life balance and kids and all that fun stuff because it's important i'd love to have each of you kind of talk about like what's the what's the long term long term as a you know take that for what it is but What's the, what's the vision for each of the businesses? Like Brent, what's the, what's the goal for you gurus? Like, where's that heading? And 
Emily, what's the what's the goal for your jewelry business once you're able to kind of pick that up and and get it going again? Well, mine's quite modest, so I'll go first. I don't really want it to be much more than a small profitable business for me that stays local, maybe some e-commerce. You know, I I just want to have fun making jewelry and make some money on it and make it worth it and um, just have a lot of fun with it. That's it for me. You know, for you gurus, I mean, our, our, the vision that we've created for the business is to help 10,000 agency owners achieve freedom in their business and life. So that's something that we're working on. Uh, we've got a 12 month program that we take agency owners through. We have uh, about 150 or so people that are engaged in that program actively right now. So that's, I mean, that's been our, our main kind of focus is, is turning that business into, you know, continuing to grow that business. I think at a personal level, that business has helped us to achieve a certain level of financial security. And, and that's something that I'm definitely pursuing. I think we have a goal of achieving, you know, true financial freedom where we don't have to work and, you know, having some other opportunities to create income for ourselves. Like right now we have a rental property and that's kind of been uh, on, on that, that path to creating some, some personal financial freedom and, you know, will we still be running that business in 10 years? I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoy the work that we do in, in the business. I actually am very active in the coaching and the training part of the business. And we do have several other coaches that are engaged with us. And so, you know, whether we'll, I will still be active in the coaching, you know, in, in the, in the years to come. And that's something that we're definitely working on potentially pulling me out of and, and having me more as, as business kind of more, more CEO role. That used to kind of be more my role. We had pure coaches and trainers in the business, but uh, I've been really enjoying working with businesses, you know, hands-on and having fun with them. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. And obviously everything that's been going on the last couple of months has changed or has evolved. I think a lot of what's going on right now with digital agencies and with small businesses in general. So, you know, it's definitely been interesting to help our clients to pivot and also to kind of, you know, see what's new for us. Wonderful. Excellent. So you do mention you guys have two children, two boys, six and three. Tell us a little bit about how do you guys manage two kids, two boys, a business, you know, the work that you do, plus your hobbies that, that, I mean, I don't know if a six-year-old or a three-year-old yet could ride a horse. Maybe they do. Maybe they go biking. You know, how do you, how do you guys manage the whole Pramic Weaver household? I have no idea. <laughs> How do I go uh, we don't. I don't know. Like, We're not well, going to give let's, you. Let's a make this a very house. simple question. <laughs> what What are the kids doing right now? They are at preschool. Yeah, they're at preschool. They just started. They were going somewhat full time up until the stay at home orders started, and I think this is their third week being back, and they are part time right now. We used to have a lot more help than we do right now. We were doing a ton of date nights. That was invaluable. Yeah. Absolutely invaluable. They were in school, but prior to shut down, they were in school full time. And then when every Wednesday night, we had a setter come in and we did a weekly date night for well over a year, just like a ritual. And then also we had another sitter that used to do some stuff for us. And she still wants to see the boys grow up. And so we have her once a month on like a Thursday or Friday. So we kind of have weekly day night and then we also have monthly like day night. Like the big date. Yeah. Wow. We, we, uh, <laughs> I, I <laughs> we, love that. 
Which yeah. is super, I mean, that's, I, I can't advocate for that enough. I think that since the shutdown order, it's been harder for us to, to do that. One of the sitters that we had is, is kind of in our seventies. And so it's been, you know, do we really want to be doing that? And kind of like, there's just so much uncertainty right now around how much we want to expose the kids to other people. And I think we decided to have them go back to uh, their preschool. They have really small class sizes. I think just even for them, it was getting really challenging. I mean, I think having young kids right now is super hard because like, you know, having them do class over Zoom, like just- It, it doesn't work. It was awful. It was so awful. For us. From loving school to just hating it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's, like, it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea of two date nights, a, a monthly, like a big kahuna date night, and then like a weekly date night. Tell us, how did you guys, like, how did that come about? And, and how do you, what's the weekly date, light ver, date night versus the monthly? Like, what's the difference between the two? Well, we've only been on one date since March. So what it used to be like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's been interesting too, because you can even, I, I felt like, the relationship dynamic besides stress around COVID and kids being at home a lot. I think that it's, it's, uh, you know, not having that has definitely like, like, you know, I can, I can tell that we're not getting that. It's like, if it's like, if you go into the gym every week and then all of a sudden you don't go for, you know, a couple of months, like do you all of a sudden, do you you all of a sudden get like not fit? Like, no, you're probably still like pretty in good shape. Right. But you can start to tell, right? That maybe you're not going every week anymore. And so I think we're kind of in that stage right now where it feels like I can, I can definitely see that there's a difference in our relationship dynamic and just our overall mental health and well-being by having that kind of routine thing. So, but I think weekly, I mean, we usually try to stay like local to our community here in Castle Rock, Colorado. And then maybe on the monthly, we go downtown or something like that. We would do a lot of art stuff on the big dates. We would go to, we do first Friday art walks, which are really fun. That was always a great time. Usually go out to dinner, even though every time we're like, all right, this time we're packing sandwiches and we're going to go <laughs> for a hike. We have not done that one time. <laughs> I think by the time like the sitter like comes that. like five o'clock, it's just like, we're like, boom, Sushi! car keys, like out of, out of the house, right? <laughs> so that's, that's been kind of, uh, and, and you know what was interesting? It was like, at first we started going on dates and I think when you don't have a weekly, you kind of like have all these, like you go and you, you do a lot of stuff. And then by like date five, six, seven, like date 10, you know, you start to go like, Oh, we kind of have like done a lot of stuff. Like this is kind of becoming more of our routine. And like, do we have to go do something really, really big? And so I think even now it's like, when we would go out to like, maybe we'd go out to dinner and then take a walk around downtown. Right. And that would be it. Right. Like we weren't trying to like go and stack up a bunch of activities. It was like, Hey, like dinner. And then maybe we'd walk around or go to a bookstore or a cafe, you know, and just Play talk, Monopoly and, talk and hang out or yeah, we, there was a, there's kind of this, this uh, kind of really cool community bar that's near our house called Ecclesia and they have a bunch of board games and sometimes we'll play like Monopoly or whatever. And you know, that's been fun. Mostly. I think I think that's awesome. I I think that's another really valuable nugget to share with our with our community. I mean, I think as husband and wives, especially when when we have kids, this idea of date night of dating your spouse is so valuable. But even more so when your spouse is is a part of your business or is your business partner. I think you you have to have that time where you're saying, okay, we're not talking about work, or at least we're going to try not to talk about work. We're going to try not to so talk our, about kids. Our date nights yes, off limit for yeah. work talk. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, nope. we end up talking about work on date nights. It's inevitable, but or I think kids. we're, yeah, or kids, I, yeah. I, there's times when we'll be on a date and Emily will be like, okay, like we'll be driving to like a restaurant and she'll be like, okay, you can keep talking about this, but like when we get out of the car, like, <laughs> you know, and, and that's been good. And one of the other things I'd say, like for your listeners that maybe are in a relationship that have kids, I think this is the big difference between, you know, and probably it's valuable to have a date night, even if you don't have kids, but I think it became a lot more important or, or, you know, for us to acknowledge that when we, when we did have kids. And I think one of the things that I of course thought about initially was like, Oh, this is going to be so expensive. Like this is going to cost us a fortune. And one of my coaches said uh, that, that, you know, coaches me, he was like, well, yeah, but obviously like divorce is like way more expensive. So like, you know, maybe you spend, you know, a hundred bucks a week on childcare and, you know, going out, which on a monthly level, like it's, it's a big investment for us in terms of time and like just managing that. And like, you know, actually like the financial side of a date night with kids, it's a significant investment, but I feel like for our relationship, it's, you know, it pays off huge for us in terms of our, how connected we are and how like on the same page we are. In our own mental health too, of our relationship and of our own mind. Yeah. Couldn't, could not agree more. And I think that's such a huge, I mean, especially now it's, it's tough because, you know, it's quarantine and pandemic and coronavirus. And, you know, we, we live in the Twin Cities, we live in Minneapolis. And so there's been a lot of even more unrest and things going on here. Restaurants have not fully opened or if they opened, they closed right away because there was, you know, cases and this and that. So we haven't yet gone on a, on a, date night. We, we're big foodies. We love to try new restaurants. We love going to like fancy schmancy, bougie restaurants. <laughs> and also the, the little hole in the walls. We have some hole in the wall restaurants. Unfortunately, most of our favorites have closed all, down. All of our favorite restaurants have closed down. But I have a funny story to tell you because it kind of, it, it really dovetails on what you were saying, Brent. This was when our business was kind of picking up. Things were really good. A few years ago, it was Mike's dad's birthday. I think it was their, either the anniversary of his parents or his, one of his parents' birthdays. I don't remember. And we invited them out to a really nice dinner. There's this really, really nice restaurant here in the Twin Cities called uh, Spoon and Stable. If you ever come to Minnesota, you have to book a, re- a reservation at Spoon and Stable. It's, it's just a- They might not be open. No, 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 no. They're going to be open. They're gonna, it's, it's an amazing restaurant, but it's pretty pricey. I mean, it's like on average, you're spending 100 to 150 per person. You know, depending if you get a, we got a bottle of wine, we had a few appetizers, we had dessert. So we kind of went all out. We had to also get a babysitter. So we had our, our nanny stay. So that was, you know, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 bucks, whatever it was for the nanny. Then the dinner and we, we paid for the dinner. And it was like the ta- the whole night, including the babysitter plus. It was just shy. It was of a like brand. it was no, Mike. It wasn't that. Much. It was like six hundred bucks. Okay, it was, okay. like, was six hundred bucks, and we valeted the car, which was probably and probably. Uh, That's what I mean. You combine all those. We things, didn't need to valet, but we decided, what the heck? Let's valet the car. So it was like, like man, six- going out on dates is expensive. So and then and then of course we didn't want to like we didn't want to show Mike's parents that we were concerned about the bill or anything. We didn't want to, we didn't want to cause any, you know, it was their anniversary or birthday or so we wanted to treat them. So Mike was, Mike has a very good poker face. So he, you know, took the check, paid for it, whatever. And like, we walked out, like we we're big shots. And then we get in the car and Mike's like, fuck, that was a $600 night. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> 
Oh, we had a good time. We had a good time. We had an amazing. It was it was well it was worth, worth it. Like it. It's, you know, you look back and it's like whatever. It but. was, but but sometimes <clears> you need <throat> to have. Sometimes you need to splurge a little bit and have fun. And obviously, a six hundred dollar night is not feasible for everybody. It's not feasible every time you go out. But uh, but absolutely, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And and again, I love that you both not only have a weekly ritual, but you have a monthly ritual. And I think that's beautiful. And hopefully, you guys can pick that up very soon without without this you know threat of of covid and every and everything so hopefully you guys can resume that well we're going to wrap up here because i think we could easily talk to you guys for another two hours or so and i i feel like there's probably i feel like there's probably some really good juicy nuggets and juicy stories but but i think you've you've shared so many really valuable lessons with our audience and i think that the people listening are going to really resonate with with just your your fun stories and the beautiful thread that you guys have between your marriage and your business and 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 so thank you for being open and sharing all of that so we like to ask some questions kind of at the end just to wrap things up so the first question is what is the and you sort of already answered it so if, if you feel like you've answered this we can move on so what's the next big project you're working on either with work or with life Next project, jeez. What do you think? You, you you're giving me a look like I know the answer. I don't know. Do you know the answer? <laughs> no, you wanted a tree in the backyard. You a tree. <laughs> Probably something to do with our landscape. Okay, okay, that's fine. Um, some patio, a pergola, just all this stuff we want to do outside. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Brent and Emily, what advice would you offer other spouses? either looking to start a business together or already that they have a business together? What's, what's your best piece or pieces of advice? Boundaries. Yeah, I was going to say boundaries <clears throat> and, uh, and probably, you know, we talked about it there at the end, but it, it, it probably would be the, you know, making time through for the relationship through some kind of date night. I think whether you have kids or not, I think that'd be, that'd be a really good ritual to, to take on. I mean, and we did talk about that quite a bit, so I don't want to like overcook that. But I think when one of, one of my mentors, a guy named Craig Valentine, he really encouraged me to, to do that and to make that time. And he kind of stayed on me about it. And it was challenging for us at first to get like, I think we burned through like four sitters or something like that and to like find that. And to get to where it was consistent enough to be weekly, it did take a lot of work to make that happen. And it was kind of frustrating on the front end. I know you were really frustrated with finding like good childcare for us to have and people would flake out on us all the time. And so I think just that, that has been huge for us in our relationship. And so I think those two things is like making sure you're creating space outside the business for your relationship. That's not like, in the normal course of your day-to-day activities, I think is 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 huge. And also, yeah, trying to create boundaries. And, and one thing I would say about boundaries though too, it is good to have them. It's also, I think, good to not get too crazy about like, you know, enforcement of those. I think it's good to kind of read, yeah. read the situation of what's going on versus I do have some friends that feel like they can't talk to their spouses at all about their business. And I can see how that creates like tension where they aren't, you know, they don't have that kind of relationship where I feel like we can, we can still talk about it. There's a lot of open communication and transparency. Anytime she ever wants to know anything about the business, I'm a hundred percent like open door about that. And so I think that's been really good. So I think having those boundaries, but also knowing how to decide when you, when those boundaries are important to enforce and, and not. 
And, you know, just to add to that too, I've always felt like my opinion and input is very valued, not just because I'm technically like a half owner of the business, but I feel like he really cares and listens to what I have to say and not just as a professional in some way, but as a human being. And to really express that to a partner is very important. And she's usually right. So <laughs> <laughs> one question. So one question that I typically ask, but I forgot and I want to, because Emily, you, you just set me up for a really nice segue here. And then we have one last question. Emily, what is something or, or things that Brent does that lets you know at the end of the day, he puts your marriage and your relationship together first above all else? We, we work in the home we always have since before quarantine. So we are both home together working all day. And if he's breaking to take five minutes or to eat lunch or to go outside and, you know, BMX for a few minutes or whatever, he always lets me know and invites me. And so we can always take a few minutes to hang out. And I know that he's thinking about the fact that he wants to hang out with me for a little bit. And that feels really good. That's really special. Okay. Last question. And this is something that you will answer about the other person so you can decide who goes first what is the one thing or quality each of you bring to your business that you couldn't do without i got one brent is a good human being he has a good heart and he cares genuinely about people and i don't think his business what he does could function if he didn't feel a deep respect and appreciation and just like love for the people that he works with and the people that hire him to help them with what he does. Thank you. Well, it feels like, I don't know. You're like, good. she's good at editing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, <laughs> I, think, I think Emily is, uh, I think I would say like listening and, and patience just has super calm level head about things that are going on. And I don't always have that same, like, and get a little wound up. And so I think she just kind of brings a kind of calming piece to all the situations. And, and I think uh, my other team members have, have commented about that. Of Like when she got involved in the business, started coming to our events, like she just has a very like calming presence and a very like counter presence to like maybe some of my high energy. And I think that is great for other people. I think it created a better dynamic for our company when she got actually more involved and started showing up more and kind of brought a, a really good counterweight to like what, how my attitude is. Thank you. Yin and yang. Yeah. Yin and yang. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for being part of our podcast, Mixing Business with Pleasure. I know I got a ton of value from hearing you guys. Also, a ton of laughs, a ton of enjoyment from hearing your story. I think that you shared some really, really valuable nuggets with our listeners. I think that they're going to take a lot away from that. And your story and your journey is really fun and exciting. And I know when your kids get older, you'll you'll be able to tell them all these fun stories uh, thank you guys so much again for being part of this and for being open and have a lovely day and keep doing you guys. You, you guys are doing great. You're doing something really wonderful that's working beautifully both at home and at work. So kudos to you. All the best. Thank you guys so much. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. 
Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you.